I'm new to this. <laughs> well, let's go ahead and open in prayer. God, thank you for your faithfulness that we can depend on you, that we always have been able to depend on you throughout the ages. And uh, we have seen your faithfulness in the, in the scriptures, and we've seen faith, your faithfulness throughout the course of uh, history, and we can continue to see your faithfulness throughout the course of our lives. And because of that, we know that we have trust and hope in your faithfulness for the future as well, for our future. And Lord, I want to start out by praying this morning for the world, that they would come to know you and you would fulfill all your purposes for all of your elect. And we know that this is your promise to the elect, that not one would go free, and that you would not lose one of them, um, but that you would secure all of them. And Lord, we ask that you would do that through the lives and the relationships that people are building and through the work of their hands all across this globe. And God, I just ask that you would accomplish those purposes for your glory and for the world's good. And then, Lord, I also want to pray for our nation specifically. This, this country um, ha- is in a time right now that's very polarized, God. Um, and I particularly think recently of the death of a great teacher um, to me, uh, who I studied and have learned a lot from R.C. Sproul, who passed away recently. God, I ask that you would, in the midst of all the polarization and all the, uh, just every, all the identity things going on in this country, God, that you would raise up Bible teachers who are faithful to you, who know you and want others to know you and would have a passion to, and a skill to be able to teach people about who you are and how to know you so that we can be impacted to change this country to serve you. And God, I want to pray specifically for also this church, Harvest Community Church, that with all the activities we have going on with uh, Harvest Wednesdays and um, our leadership events and the women's Bible studies and everything that we're doing, Lord, I just pray that you would use all of those events Um, not just to be things that we do, um, but things that people can get involved in to build relationships, to hear about you and hear from you, and that you would make us a people who is devoted to you and who absolutely love you and know and trust in your faithfulness. And God, I ask also this morning for your mercy for me as well as I'm uh, battling getting over sickness, God, that um, your word would come to life despite any human shortcomings I have, God, and that the glory of your faithfulness would come through and we would see that and all come to give you praise as a result. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, so good morning. Uh, I'm one of the elders here. I guess I'm going to say this technically. I'm the newest elder for one more day. Uh, beginning tomorrow, I will no longer be that guy. Um, somebody else will be that guy, and we can make fun of him all year long. So I'm personally excited for that. I did mention that um, I'm a little under the weather. Normally, I'm pretty peppy and spunky, but uh, you, got, you can all blame Matt. He had the cold last week and something about contagious preaching. I'm preaching this week, so whoever's preaching next week, I'm sorry. It's, you're going to get it. I'll pray for you now. 
Well, this morning we are going to be opening up Psalm 138. It's the final collection of psalms in the Bible that are attributed to David. Psalms 138 through 145. The interesting thing, as uh, Roger alluded to earlier, about these psalms is that Israel would gather together and they would sing praises about God's faithfulness. They would gather together, sing these praises, so that they could deepen their faith in God. I think that's a wonderful thing because, as we know, uh, Israel had a history of a lack of faith in God's faithfulness. Um, But it's really neat, as Roger was alluding to, that people have been singing those praises of faithfulness to see that God is faithful despite their faithlessness. And my hope this morning, as we open up this psalm, wherever we come from in this 2017 close and looking forward to 2018, whether, as Matt said, it's been a year full of uh, difficulty and struggle, or whether it's been a good year, I hope this psalm will open our eyes and get them up onto God and see his faithfulness. Because Israel at that time was waiting for the promised Messiah, and we are as well. We have the gift of the Messiah, but we're waiting for his return. So we can, with Israel, uh, open up this psalm and see God's faithfulness and sing his praises as well. So the theme, as you can see, is give thanks to the Lord. I'll just add a little piece there, um, because he takes care of me. Um, We'll see in this passage that even even though it's really short, uh, it's just eight verses, it's really packed. Um, And it's broken into three sections. It's got three parts. Um, The first one is... I will give thanks to the Lord for answering my prayer. Those are verses 1 through 3. The second one, the Lord is high, but he looks on the lowly, verses 4 through 6. And then finally, the Lord preserves me through all troubles. Don't worry about writing those down. I'll break them down here in just a minute. We'll go through each one, one by one. So let's go ahead and get started and look at verses 1 through 3. I'm going to read, these, read this again so we can slow down and see what God is saying here. Psalm 138, verses 1 through 3. I give you thanks, O Lord, with my whole heart. Before the gods I sing your praise. I bow down towards your holy temple and give thanks to your name for your steadfast love and your faithfulness. For you have exalted above all things your name and your word. On the day I called, you answered me. And my strength of soul, you increased. So what we see in this psalm is that David is giving thanks because he called on God. We see that God has answered David's prayer. And the answer was to increase David's strength of soul. And as a result, David is able to give thanks for God's character, specifically for his steadfast love, for God's faithfulness, and for God's exalted name and word for keeping his promises. We'll get into a little bit later in uh, verses 7 and 8, more specifically, what David might have been praying for, at least on some uh, more specific uh, level. But here we see, importantly, that David called to God, and God did answer, and God demonstrated his steadfast love, his faithfulness, and his exalted name and word. And this enabled David to give thanks with his whole heart. Because he could see 
God's steadfast love and his faithfulness. He was able to see God's promises being fulfilled, and that enabled him to give thanks with his whole heart and sing praises to God. And this is important to us because it tells us about the reality of God's nearness. And it's, not a, it's a reality we can sometimes forget. Um, giving thanks is a recognition of a reality that we don't always see or we don't always remember. And that is that God is near. So David called and God answered. He was there. He was available. Uh, God is listening. He, when David called, God heard and he answered. God does care. He is responding. Even We don't know when David prayed the prayer originally and when David responded, but what we know is that God did respond. And David is saying here that we can have trust that God will respond. It's almost like a moot point. He, he's, he's telling us that I wasn't really worried that God uh, would not answer, but I know that he does, and he did answer. He's got ultimate faith in God's faithfulness. And we see also that God will keep his promises. So in the second section, verses 4 through 6, the scripture takes an interesting turn because David's prayer starts out being a very intimate one. I give you thanks, O Lord, with my whole heart. When I called, you answered. But then in verses 4 through 6, David describes who this God is that he's praying to. Let's read this together, verses 4 through 6. All of the kings of the earth shall give you thanks, O Lord, for they have heard the words of your mouth, and they shall sing the ways of the Lord, for great is the glory of the Lord. For though the Lord is high, he regards the lowly, but the haughty he knows from afar. So this is interesting because this very personal prayer that David is praying is now put into context. David is showing us that this God that he's praying to is not just a lowly God, but he's God on high. That great is his glory in all the earth. And all of these kings of the earth will thank God. God is the one that all the kings of the earth will be thanking at some point or another. If you think about that right now, who are all the powerful people of the earth right now? And if you imagine those people giving God thanks, first of all, that might be uh, a hard thing to imagine because probably most of the time they don't give God thanks. But if you were to imagine them giving God thanks for the words of his mouth and them singing the praises of the Lord, someday David is telling us that that will happen and this is the God to whom he is praying. And yet, in the juxtaposition, the Lord is on high, but he looks on the lowly. So God is accessible to these kings who are giving him thanks, but he's also accessible to the lowly. He's not just a God for the king of kings, but he's the God for the lowest of low, as we heard last week in Mary's prayer when um, the Holy Spirit came upon her to tell her that the Savior of the world would be born uh, through her. So the lowly are known and regarded by God and not just those on high. So what this tells us then is that God is accessible to everyone. There are just a few little stipulations that make him accessible. God's power and his glory are available to everyone. You only need to be humble. 
That's something we can all do. Although at the same time, it's one of the hardest things to do. To, in two points, recognize, or I'm sorry, um, confess that God is greater than I am and appreciate him for his goodness. David, in this prayer, recognizes who God is, that all the kings of the earth will give him thanks, and that great is the glory of the Lord. So he's recognizing that God is greater than he is, and he shows an appreciation for his word and for his glory. Anyone can come before God, and he's accessible. The greatness and the power of God who created the earth with his word, he spoke, and it happened, and it has been obeying his word ever since. That's the power and the glory of the God that we have access to. A couple points on this I just want to say really quickly. Humility is not trying to earn access to God through my own good works. And humility is not putting myself down. You don't see David talking about himself. You see David exalting God. When we put ourselves down, that's not humility. Or if we try to earn access to God through our own good works, that doesn't make him any more accessible. Um, In fact, what David says here is um, that the haughty he knows from afar. So being lowly means to trust entirely and to depend entirely on God, to recognize his greatness and come to him with our weakness and recognize his greatness and thank him for it. And that's how he's accessible. And finally, we get to the last section of this passage. The Lord preserves me through all troubles, verses 7 through 8. So initially we see that God is praying, or David is praying to God, and that God has answered him. And in the second section we see that uh, who is this God that David is praying to? He's on high, but he regards the lowly. And finally, we see that what God is doing um, that gives us supreme confidence and trust in God. And let's go ahead and read this again together. Verses 7 and 8 say, Though I walk in the midst of trouble, you preserve my life. You stretch out your hand against the wrath of your enemies, uh, the wrath of my enemies, and your right hand delivers me. The Lord will fulfill, fulfill his purpose for me. Your steadfast love, O Lord, endures forever. Do not forsake the work of your hands. So, we see here that God is able to preserve life in the midst of trouble. God is preserving David's life and protecting against enemies. He's active. We also see that there is, David knows that there's no trouble and no enemy that can prevail against God. God is watching over and protecting everyone who's faithful to him. And seeing this is a much-needed reminder, which is easy for us to forget, but which puts all of life into perspective. So what we can glean from this is that I don't have to be afraid from any, of any situation because God can protect me. There's no situation that I need to fear. And also, I don't have to be afraid of anyone because God can deliver me. And not just me, he can deliver me, me. I guess that's a little typo. Sorry about that. That's what happens when you put this together when you're uh, a little foggy in the brain. It, it's just a check to see if you're still awake. Kurt, where are you? Are you awake? Okay. Um, but yeah, David is saying that there's no situation. If you think about our lives, what are, the, what are the most stressful things we go through? There's a situation at work or 
um, with finances or there's a relationship that's troubling to us, whether it's a spouse, a child, or a, a boss. And David here is saying that I don't have to be afraid of any of those situations and I don't have to be afraid of anyone because I know that God can protect me, preserve my life, and deliver me um, from my enemies. And so we can have supreme confidence and security in God. Instead of seeing the troubles I am walking through, we see here that David is asking, how is God preserving my life? Instead of looking at the troubles, he's asking, how is God preserving my life? And instead of seeing the wrath of my enemies, David is asking, how is God delivering me and protecting me? And instead of doubting in God, David is asking, how has God been faithful and can I trust him to continue to be? And David's definitive answer in his life is, yes, God is preserving my life. He is protecting me and he can and will continue to be faithful. And so I can sing God's praise. So, why do we need these reminders? This is all well and good. You know, this is all um, early um, biblical stuff that was a long time ago. And, you know, this is 2017 coming up on 2018. Why is this a good reminder for us today? Well, like I said earlier, Israel, the people of Israel were gathering together to wait for their Messiah. And in the meantime, they had to live life. They were trusting that God would fulfill his promises and would come through for them. Well, we're in the same position as they were back then. We're waiting for the return of the Messiah. And so, in the meantime, life is going on just like life was going on for them. And, like Israel, we're people. They're people and we're people. It's really easy to think about Israel as being a different kind of a, the people of Israel as being a different kind of a person. You know, we nickname the disciples the disciples because they didn't get it. But, often, I don't know if you've heard that before. I think it's funny. Um, well, now you know. But sometimes when I look at what the, what the disciples are thinking and how they respond, I think, you know, if I'm really honest, I probably have had those same kinds of thoughts. You know, I can know something in my head but not really fully trust it. Or I'm going about life and then I realize, wow, I have not prayed to God in a long time what am I doing? Why am I trying to do this on my own strength? I know that I need to be trusting God. I know that I can't do it in my own strength, but why have I been doing this on my own strength? So we are just like the people of Israel. We are just like the disciples in many human ways. And so um, three things that um, I think tell us why we need these reminders. Um, One, we forget. Two, we lose focus. And three, we faint. And get this, they all start with F. I didn't even go to seminary, and I learned that. I guess I've been coming to Harvest and listening to Matt preach long enough. So we forget, we need these reminders because we forget, we lose focus, and we faint. Briefly, we forget to call on God. We go about our lives, and we just get busy with the stress of it all, the practicality of it all, not because we're trying to forget about God, but just life gets busy. Or we're going through life, we get through a difficulty, and we forget that God has answered a prayer. Maybe we prayed in a, in a, a moment, you know, God, will you save me? Will you deliver me? Will you help me? God does that. We come out of it and we say, oh, that's better. Okay, well, moving on. I'm glad to get out of that. And we forget that God has just delivered us. It doesn't become a part of our story 
of who God is and how he's been working in our lives. Or maybe we forget how God has answered. So it's not just that he has answered, but maybe he answered in a really miraculous way. And we can say, oh yeah, that was amazing, but it doesn't really penetrate. It doesn't go to the depths of us and to the character of God that, wow, how could he have put that, put that together to happen exactly in the way that it happened at just the right time? Only God could accomplish that. So we need these reminders because we forget. Also, we lose focus. <clears throat> we look for actions or outcomes rather than for God himself. There are many times as a counselor, many, many of you may not know, but I work as a counselor um, Monday through Thursday. That's my profession. And um, I see how people are struggling with life, and some people are Christians, and uh, they talk about their faith, and they wrestle with that. And one thing um, that's very common in a lot of people, um, in all of us, is that there's a situation going on, and we want to be delivered, which there's nothing wrong with that, but we look for deliverance from that, but without the relationship with God. And it's okay to want to be delivered from a situation. You know, if you're ill, like I have been feeling, I've definitely been praying that God would remove this sickness uh, from me. But, but, more than that, I want God to be near to me. And if God is near to me, then that doesn't matter. Whatever is going on in my life almost doesn't matter. I think of Job um, one of my favorite and confusing uh, books of the Bible, um, Job is going through this huge, long relationship with his friends who are giving him advice. And at the very end, um, God presents himself. Job is looking for answers. He says, you know, why have you let me be born? Why have you afflicted me with all this? He's not accusing God, but he's just asking. And God's answer is, I'm God. Let me show you how huge I am. And God, I just imagine Job shrinking down and being like, wow, you are magnificent. And Job's response is to repent in dust and ashes. He says, that's enough for me. I don't need answers because, God, you are enough for me. And then also um, we lose focus on our, we focus on our troubles rather than on God. Or um, we seek another leader. Uh, an example I was thinking about when I put this together was um, uh, when Moses went up on the mountain and, and Israel was down below and Aaron was down there. They were waiting and waiting and waiting. They got tired of waiting and they created, they fashioned an idol out of uh, gold and made a calf and said, hey, we need to worship this thing instead. Well, the same thing is true for us. When we lose focus on God, we have to create a new idol for ourselves because God has made us to worship something. He made us to worship him. And if we're, our focus is not on God, then we're going to be worshiping something else. And so we find something else to lead. Or lastly, uh, we need these reminders because we faint. We simply lose faith in God's promises. How many times do you think Abraham was questioning and doubting God when God told him, you're going to have a son born to your wife in her old age, and then he was waiting and waiting and waiting, and it didn't happen right away. I think it'd be pretty easy to lose faith. When we don't get that response right away, it's really easy to lose sight of God and say, well, maybe he's abandoned me. Maybe he's not listening. Maybe he's not there. I don't know what he's doing. What's going on? 
Or we may grow weary of waiting. We just simply focus on our troubles, and that can cause us to grow weary of waiting. But when we're focused on God, that's ultimately that gives us the peace of endurance. So um, what that tells us is uh, instead of forgetting, losing focus, and fainting, we need to remember, we need to focus, and we need to endure in order to trust God and be thankful in any circumstance. So to remember, and this is just a list, um, I know it can be overwhelming, there's like four things here that you're like, oh no, I need to be doing all these things. Don't take it as a, I need to do this in order to be good and in order to, to be a good Christian and all that kind of stuff. Read this list and, and just take a little self-examination. You know, 2017 is um, the close of the year, is a time to reflect back on what God has done and what we have been like and to make some new resolutions for ourselves for 2018. As we look at this list, it's just a good reminder of how have I been doing in terms of praying and remembering that God is there on a regular basis. So there's some scriptures here um, that go with this um, that I found that were um, really impactful to me. Um, In order to remember, we need to start out by praying. David is saying in in the psalm that I prayed to God, or called to God, and he answered. So God can't answer if we're not praying to him, we're asking him. God wants us to answer, or God wants us to pray to him so that he can answer. He's waiting for us to talk to him. Proverbs 8, 17 says, I love those who love me, and those who seek me diligently find me. So we need to seek God diligently, and then he will be found. That's easy to say, hard to do. But with practice, if we just pray regularly, just get in the habit of just spending a few minutes a day praying, we can always increase that. Just being mindful that God is there and recognizing his presence over and over again on a regular basis will help us to see God more clearly throughout the rest of the week. So if we're just praying maybe five minutes in the morning or five minutes in the evening, we're all of a sudden now looking for God. And there's a statistic or there's some research that shows that when people begin monitoring a behavior, like, you know, if I just start writing down my exercise, if I start writing down the things that I'm eating, we automatically start changing our behavior because I see, <laughs> I see the donuts and the brownies and the cookies that I ate last night at Kurt's party, and I think, oh man, I don't, want, I don't want that to be the case for me every day. So the fact that I wrote it down, that I'm tracking it, changes our behavior. Actually, there weren't don- no donuts, but there were a lot of brownies, and they were very good, but I only had two. Three. And some fudge. Um, but this is the time of year to do it. Um, but what it's, it's telling us is that just by simply doing something, by monitoring it, by praying, we begin to see those things. We begin to see God more actively in our life because we're looking for him. Or secondly, um, humble ourselves. James 4.10, David talks about Um, God is accessible to the lowly. James 4.10 says, Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will exalt you. And then also third, look and wait to see when and how God answers. And then also four, remember what God has done. But it's not always how you would expect. So there's a few examples I gave here um, that I'm always reminded of. Whenever something is happening in my life and maybe I'm not getting an answer from God or it's not in the timing that I want it to be, I think of... Um, scripture. I think of how God has been faithful throughout scripture. So Abraham, Abraham and Isaac, God 
called Abraham to go sacrifice his son Isaac up on the mountain. And this was the same son that his blessing was going to come through. So how in the world is God going to carry out his plan for, Ab- for the nation of Israel um, if Isaac is sacrificed? Well, Abraham somehow knew or trusted God that he would provide some sacrifice. And the result is he did provide a sacrifice, not in the way he thought. He must have thought that uh, he was going to have to follow through with killing Isaac and that God would somehow miraculously bring him back to life. But God spared him that and provided a ram as his sacrifice. So God was faithful. Or I oftentimes like to look at um, Joseph, the story of Joseph, where he had these wonderful dreams that uh, he would be a leader and his brothers would bow down to him. Uh, I'm sure his brothers uh, hate this story. They are thinking like, oh man, I hated all those dreams that God gave you. Um, but that was exactly how God was going to save the nation of Israel um, from famine and ultimately from Egypt. Well, Joseph was sold off into slavery and imprisoned, and I'm sure Joseph was sitting in prison for many years thinking, well, hey, wait, what about these dreams? What about the coat of many colors? What about the promises that God gave me? What's going to happen? How is that going to be possible while I'm sitting here in jail? But what we see is that God did answer. He did save Israel through a series of events. Uh, Joseph rose up to be second in command to only the Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and that's exactly how he was able to save the nation of Israel. And then finally, um, when things are difficult in my life, I think about Jesus. You know, how, how much more bleak can it get when this promised Messiah, who is finally going to save us, comes around and he dies. Well, hey, wait a minute. I thought he was going to be this promised Messiah that was going to save us from our sins and he was going to rule and all the kings were going to bow down to him. Well, what about that? Well, that's exactly when and how God was saving us from our sins, just not in the way that we would have imagined because this is God we're talking about, God on high who, whose thoughts are not our thoughts, who, whose ways are not our ways. And so we need to remember what God has done and then begin to see, hey, if God can do that here, he can do that in my life. I just don't know what it's going to look like. Secondly, um, I can focus. By focusing on seeing God himself, his comfort, his care, his love, um, 1 Chronicles 16.11 says, Seek the Lord and his strength. Seek his presence continually. So if I'm praying, if I'm continually seeking God, then I'm focused on him, and I'm, I begin to get some clarity on when and how he's moving. I'm listening to him. I'm focused on him rather than my troubles. Or Isaiah 6.3, as we sang earlier, remember God's character. He's not just holy. He's not just holy, holy. He is holy, holy, holy. There is no category we have for anything else like that except God. He is so far and above the best that we can imagine that this name has to be applied to him three times. It's like exponential here. My brain can't calculate the number of zeros, but it's pretty awesome. Um, Or focus, uh, I guess I have humble yourself twice. We can still humble humble ourselves when we're focusing on God. Um, And then finally, lastly, um, we endure. 
James 1, 2 through 5, says to test God's faithfulness, or in other words, to prove its trustworthiness. Uh, the passage says, Count it all joy, my brothers, whenever you f- face trials of many kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be mature and complete, lacking in nothing. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to him. So if life is difficult for you, you're going through a trial, we can endure by focusing on God and testing his faithfulness. Ask God, can you be faithful in this, just one day at a time? Show me that you're here. Show me how you're moving, and then wait and listen. And what we see going on behind the scenes is that these trials are actually happening. God is allowing these trials to develop us into the kinds of people that he wants us to be. And what that is doing is that is proving uh, God's trustworthiness and it's revealing our faithlessness. That's the issue right there. It's not, is God going to be faithful and how is he going to be faithful? It's, will and can I trust him? And so these trials that are coming up, if we're focused on God and we are enduring, we will see that he is trustworthy and that it was me all along that was unable to endure to trust him. But as we seek him and trust him and focus on him, he will build up that trust and that faithfulness in his, that faith in his faithfulness so that we can endure because ultimately we need to be a people that endures. Um, also, Philippians 4.8 um, finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, just, pure, lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Remember, David was focused on who God is and not on his troubles. He was looking at how God was delivering him, and that is what gave him hope. So if we're thinking on what's true, honorable, just, pure, lovely, commendable, worthy of praise, if there's any excellence, if we're thinking about these things, our mind is lifted up above our troubles and it's on to God and then the troubles begin to kind of float away. That doesn't mean they they stop existing. I mean, I'm here and not feeling the greatest. My energy level has been really low. My body's aching. But yet, God's goodness is still here and his faithfulness is still true. Um, wait patiently, leaning on God's strength. Second Corinthians 12, one of my favorite passages. David, um, Paul is talking about this thorn in his flesh, and he's asking God to remove it, but God is saying, no, 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 I'm going to leave it there. I'm going to allow you to be weak, because when you're weak, you need to depend on me. And when you're depending on me, my strength is made perfect in your weakness. And so um, Paul says, I will boast all the more in my weakness weaknesses and hardships and failures and shortcomings because that's when I can see God's greatness magnified. And then finally, remember the end of the story. This one um, really impacted me um, just over the last 24 hours as I was putting the kind of finishing touches on um, preparing for um, this passage. Um, I came across this and was reading this yesterday, just feeling awful and wondering how am I going to get up this morning and preach this sermon. I came to this passage and just started absolutely weeping with overwhelming emotion because of God's goodness and his faithfulness. 
I was feeling terrible, but I could see God in the midst of it. And I, I could feel that his promises were true no matter what I was feeling in the moment, no matter how bad I was feeling. The promise in Isaiah is true, and I know it with complete confidence. And that gave me the strength of soul to endure. And so I want to read this for you. Isaiah 25, 8-9 says, God will swallow up death forever. And the Lord will wipe away tears from all faces. And the reproach of his people he will take away from all the earth. For the Lord has spoken. And it will be said on that day, Behold, this is our God. We have waited for him that he might save us. This is the Lord. We have waited for him. So let us be glad and rejoice in his salvation. Let's pray. God, thank you that your word is true and your steadfast love endures forever. Thank you that we can trust in your faithfulness. Thank you that throughout difficulty and troubles and trials, we know that your strength, your love, your kindness, your power is near to us if we can only be lowly and call on you and ask and you will answer. God, I pray as we close out this 2017 year and look ahead to the new year that we would remember these things. We would remember to look to you. We would focus on you and see you more clearly in our lives and see what you're doing and see how you're, you're near to us, even in the midst of trials. And sometimes you're bringing about trials so that you can demonstrate your nearness to us. God, I pray that throughout this next year, over the course of all the difficulty that we have going on, God, that you would show yourself faithful. We would be a people that endures and sings the praises of your name for your glory and for our good. Amen.